Welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Mick West. My guest today is Phil, also known as the Skeptic of the North. I came across Phil on uh, on Twitter. He tweeted a link to me for his latest video, and I checked it out, and I thought it was great. It's a video about conspiracy theories, and I found it really fascinating. Phil is someone who used to be a conspiracy theorist to some degree, and now he's not. And now he's making a very good series of videos, which I highly encourage people to check out. There's three in the series so far, and uh, we're going to talk about that. So, uh, Phil, welcome to Tales from the Rabbit Hole. Hey, thanks for having me. No, you're very welcome. Thank you very much for being here. It's, uh, I, so people tweet me things all the time as they come look at this mm-hmm. video, and I'm like, you know, who is this person who's sending me some random video? But I looked at yours, and it was actually really interesting, and I was quite surprised you had so few subscribers on your channel. Yeah, only just started, really, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you used to be a conspiracy theorist? Yeah, it was, it was actually quite a long time ago. It was basically around about... I'm I'm 32 now, so it was around about the time I was sort of 18 or 19. I had a sort of a brief stint for about a year where I was into conspiracy theories. So yeah. How did you? Do you remember how you actually kind of got started? What was the first thing that kind of piqued your interest? Well, ironically, obviously I'm from. As you can maybe tell from my accent, I'm actually from Belfast and Northern Ireland, and I actually had a relatively apolitical upbringing. So mm-hmm. obviously, from Northern Ireland, you have. Um, people who are unionists who want Northern Ireland to be part of the UK and people who are nationalists who want Ireland to be part of United Ireland. But for me, I, I actually never really had... I, I, a lot of my conclusions are things that I've actually come... Conclusions I've actually personally come through you know, myself. And ironically, how I actually got into conspiracy theories was through the comedy of Bill Hicks. Because um, obviously, you've probably watched the clip of my video, Bill Hicks is... He talked about society and he, he mocked the sort of superficial nature of society and how uh, you know, a combination of religious fundamentalism as well as the kind of consumer society we live in. But he actually introduced me to what I feel are like two very separate ways of thinking about society because the way he defined his comedy was um, Noam Chomsky, but with dick jokes. I'm not sure if you've... That's, that's how I... So through him, I actually got introduced to like Noam... He was like on this site, he got me into Noam Chomsky and I actually mm-hmm. read... Uh, the very first documentary I ever watched was uh, Manufacturing Consent. Have you heard about that documentary? I've or... heard of it. I've, I've not seen it, though. The general premise is obviously that because of the fact that corporations tend to own a lot of the media, basically the, the ruling class own the media, and because of that, there's a very narrow spectrum of acceptable acceptable opinion that they allow you to have on the media. So I kind of got into that side of it, um, mainly through what I, would, what I would personally consider real conspiracism or you know general critiques of society. Um, so I got into like Naomi Klein and people like John Bilger. But obviously, because Bill Hicks is obviously a conspiracy theorist, he, he got me into the JFK conspiracy, which is uh, a clip I show in my video. And as well as that, in one of his lesser known videos, he actually seems to lend credence to the Waco siege conspiracy. Are you, are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. And he also lent he also lent credibility to, you know, how there's a, an elite that's kind of running the planet. And so from him, I got into the Zeitgeist film series, as well as, um, you know, Alex Jones and a couple of lesser known titles. I'm, I'm, have you ever heard of Esoteric Agenda before or anything like that? Or... Yeah, I've heard of it. But again, it's not something I've yeah. <laughs> looked into deeply. Yeah. Well, the general premise of the video is essentially it tracks the entire history of the, the Illuminati. And it gives what I would now consider at the time, I didn't particularly understand or realize this, but it actually gives a more of a right wing perspective. Because a lot of this stuff about the Illuminati and private bankers and things of that nature, at the time, I didn't really understand the full context of that. 
like I would I would watch say like a Noam Chomsky video one day and then a, D- a David Icke video the next day, and I didn't really fully understand that they are actually basically saying two completely different things. Like a, a lot of the David Icke Alex Jones stuff seems to be more marketed towards anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, and mm-hmm. they link back to take it you've heard of the Protocols of Zion and things of that nature. I didn't understand the full context of that at the time, and it, that's. Essentially, that's how I got into conspiracy theories was mainly through looking at how they explain power relations and, and things of that nature. So, and then obviously I got into JFK and the 9-11 conspiracy. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. <laughs> so this was all back when you were 18, 18 years old. Yeah. 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 And what, what were you doing in your life at that time? Were you at college or at uh, working? I actually worked in a recording studio for a while. Yeah. Ironically, when I got into conspiracy theories, it made me want to go to university, become a better critical thinker. And ironically, through going to university, I actually studied I studied sociology, anthropology, and philosophy. And all of those have different aspects of, for a start, you, you write essays and you learn how to be a better critical thinker and you learn how to cite sources and make a balanced argument. But obviously, all three of those have different perspectives on how to come to rational conclusions. So in philosophy, you obviously study things such as epistemology, you know, what what is knowledge and how do you know what knowledge is? Um, whereas with things like anthropology, you learn about what I obviously refer to in one of my videos as tribal epistemology and how people, if you're in a tribe, you know, you have this own, you have this kind of internally consistent logic that makes sense to you if you're in your tribe. But if if you're outside of the tribe, it doesn't make much sense. If that if that makes sense, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like the different different cultures have different perceptions of things, and yeah. different groups of people yeah. have different uh, different ways of, of looking at it. That was something I was talking about in uh, I think the podcast before last. Uh, the the guy on there, uh, Tom, um, yeah, described it as uh, watching two different movies, like the same people. You see the same thing, but they interpret it through through a different lens. Yeah. So you were you're 18 and you went to to university, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so like when you arrived at university, were, were you essentially a conspiracy theorist at that point, like yeah. believing that there was that JFK was killed by the CIA? And uh, uh, so this was yeah. like what's like so you're 32 now, and that was uh, so what was that 14 years ago? Um, I'm just doing math in my head now. So that's uh, after 9/11. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, did you? What, what were your opinions about nine eleven at the time? Yeah, so I would have probably bought into the standard theories about nine eleven regarding controlled demolitions and um, the various, you know, various different things about it. The fact that you know Larry Silverstein was benefiting from the insurance and things of that nature, and I also couldn't really fully understand why you know NORAD wouldn't have intervened whenever planes were sort of about to crash into the towers. And so, yeah, I would have, I would have been a pretty much a, like I say in my video, I was about 85% convinced right. of the 9-11 conspiracy theory at the time. Uh, and obviously, as well as that, I would have watched Oliver Stone's film on JFK. And so they, they would have been pretty much the main conspiracies I would have bought into. I didn't, I never really got too much into like chemtrails or anything of that nature. I would have maybe lent credibility to the New World Order before I fully understood the context of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was only when I... Obviously, being quite secular-minded, I've sort of found out eventually that a lot of the New World Order stuff tends to be connected to like religious fundamentalism and how you know the, the Satan's going to take over the world and things of that nature. I'm not, I'm not sure. Are you aware of that or no? <laughs> yeah, no. It's, uh, <laughs> that is certainly one uh, one one group of people that they, they think that they're they're living in the end times. But I think yeah. that there's well, always people who think they're living in the end times. 
Yeah, well, Pat, obviously Pat Robertson, he actually wrote one of the books on the New World Order, and essentially the general takeaway is that you know the the godless atheists are going to take over society and etc cetera, etc cetera, you know <laughs> yeah but it's also kind of part of like the prophecy of the end times that you're going yeah. to get this the antichrist coming in and the the mark yeah. of the beast put on everybody and then yeah. and it's going to be great because everybody's going to go to heaven after that so in yeah. a way they, yeah. they want it to happen which is a, yeah. it's a little bit strange but uh, <laughs> uh yeah. So, like, going back, like, you you went to university and you mm-hmm. arrived there, a conspiracy theorist, believing that, you know, you know JFK was assassinated by the CIA or uh, or whoever and that 9-11 was an inside job, 85% okay. sure. Uh, and you're going to meet all these new people uh, at yeah. university. Now, did, did you meet like-minded people or did you kind of start butting heads against people? Um, ironically, whenever I went into my... A sociology class literally everyone in the class because it was actually what it was I went to university but prior to going to university I actually did like a, a kind of a humanities course where which is where I studied sociology and so it was a very small class of people and this is kind of the ironic thing about it everyone in the class had like very different opinions like at the time I was obviously hmm. quite anti-authoritarian um like I, I would have actually defined myself at the time, believe it or not, as an anarchist, which I'm, I'm not so much anymore. But everyone around me, um, you had people who were very like pro royal family, which I was obviously against at the time. Um, and people who were again, it was actually a girl in my class who was a creationist, or obviously me as an atheist. I would I wouldn't have bought into that idea. So ironically, we had a lot of debates around the classroom, and I did get introduced to perspectives that I wouldn't have normally got within my peer group at the time. So I did I did actually find that very beneficial. That was probably went a long way to changing my opinions on various topics. Actually, so how how long uh, would you say you were a conspiracy theorist before you could dis- declare yourself completely out of it? I would say 70 months at max. And then after that, I started, you know, there started to be kind of a, a decline as I started to read more information. Uh, I started to read more of the skeptic side of the arguments. And so, yeah, it would have been probably about a year, I'd say. Yeah. Do you remember any one particular like fact that you discovered that really made you change your mind? Like you thought, oh, well, that's, that's, that's not right. So, yeah, maybe other stuff. One of the things actually... I actually watched the BBC Conspiracy Files documentary. Mm. Not, do, you, do you remember that back in the yeah, day? I, no? I do, yeah. The BBC Conspiracy Files documentary, one of the people that was being interviewed at the time was a guy who was obviously Richard Gage, who was one of the architects for 9-11 Truth. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I really, uh, that sort of troubled me throughout this whole period was, you know, how, how is it that they could rig all three buildings without anybody noticing and so that that just seems that it was one of those things that was in my head at the time but obviously being convinced by the controlled demolition i didn't really think too much about it and then one of the, the interviews the interviewer actually asked richard gage you know so wh- when do you think the buildings were rigged with these explosives and i was kind of hoping he was going to give a really good argument but he actually said something like um that maybe they were rigged when they were the buildings were built in the seventies, and that was actually what it was, yeah. It was, so that was one of the first times I started to realize that you have to you have to actually make massive leaps in logic for any of this to make sense. And obviously, at, at about that time, I then started to realize or or I learned about the concept of Occam's razor. How you know, obviously, if you're met with two competing theories, it's always better to go with a simpler explanation. So, whenever I heard about that, I started to really think about things like the Pentagon, for example, like how 
a lot of these people would say like obviously a missile hit the, hit the pentagon but in order for that to make sense everybody who all, all the eyewitnesses would all have to be in or not they would all they would all have to be like actors and all the play parts are actually scattered over the grass they would have had to be implanted there and every everybody who was engaged in the cleanup they'd all have to be in on the conspiracy also it just didn't really make any sense like if you were the government why would you go about this in the most convoluted way possible um so it, it just didn't really make any sense to me that a, a missile would hit the pentagon when all all the evidence seemed to point to the fact it was just a plane hit yeah it's like with, with that type of thing it's uh, people you know they said they're just asking questions uh yeah. which is you know, fair enough but they're also kind of ignoring all these problems that these, these questions raise. Like, surely you could say, like, how could the buildings have yeah. collapsed so fast? But see, then they don't ask the the other question is, how could it have been rigged with explosives? And essentially, it's in a way, I think it's almost like an appeal to to magic. You know, there's some, they have some question and there must be something suspicious going on. So you're, you're still at college and you you kind of stop being a conspiracy theorist. Do you, did you continue to be interested in the subject, though? Uh, yeah, well, obviously, I mean, like I said, I have a YouTube channel now, so I mainly got interested in, from there, I started to look into, like, skepticism regarding climate change and mm. looked at, like, one of my favorite YouTubers is uh, Potholer54. Are you aware of, do you know Potholer54 now? No. All right, he's, he's a massive, you should actually really check out his stuff, but he was, like, the guy who really convinced me that climate change was definitely 100% happening. Mm. Like, he... Because I would, well, I started watching um, Penn and Teller. Uh, remember that show, Penn and Teller Bullshit, that was on? Yes, at the time? good show. So they, a uh, good show, but they did, did it do, they, they did a global warming conspiracy. Because obviously, because Penn and Teller, they're very, yeah, they're obviously they're libertarians. So obviously, they did that show about like gun control and things like that. But they did a very sort of anti global warming conspiracy show as well. And Potholer Fifty Four just rips that apart essentially. So he was he was one of the guys who really got me on the side that global warming was definitely happening, and just a whole bunch of other stuff like flat Earth and conspiracies in general. Really, science denialism. Yeah. While you were at college, though, like you know, you're nineteen twenty. Uh, were you were you into skepticism there? Did you did it become like a new interest at the time? Yeah, well, obviously, I mean, I studied philosophy. So one of the key mm. things or key concepts in philosophy is epistemology. Like, how do you know what you know? And around about that time, I actually read a book called, um, it's called A Manual for Creating an Atheist. And I think it's by Peter Bogosian. Have you heard of that book? Or mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One of his, one of the key concepts, obviously, he puts, for, he puts forward in the book is this idea that, and obviously something which I've, try to talk about on my video that I've just done on the subject is it, it's very difficult to really change people's opinions if you just try to debunk them because you're under the assumption that they have this, the same epistemology that you do and trying to arrive at, you know, arrive at various conclusions. Um, so that kind of got me out of the idea that it's not really so much the evidence. It's really more about the epistemology and trying to challenge, you know, how, how it is you actually arrive at, at knowledge in the first place. Um, and obviously, in my video, I discussed the fact that a big reason why I changed my opinion on 9-11 was I noticed various similarities between me and the, the creationist girl that was in my class, because she would always bring, bring up about all these conspiracies about how the, the, you know, the atheist scientists are trying to suppress the truth about creationism. And she would also obviously um, say the fact that there are various scientists who dispute uh, evolution and, and they've published papers and things of that nature. I found it difficult to reconcile the fact that I could see that she was very clearly giving very similar arguments to, to what I was giving. And from that, I managed to sort of like 
think that oh yes well if she's if she's obviously saying that then i'm i need to rethink my opinions on this topic because i'm pretty much doing the same thing if that makes sense yeah totally yeah and it's it's very interesting these these similarities you draw it kind of reminds me of i'm reading a book on uh, on cults so i'm trying to like kind of branch out into different things uh, it's by uh uh, Hassan, I think his name is. I can't remember the full title, but it's, it's a pretty famous I mean, yeah. book uh, mm-hmm. on on cults. And this guy used to be a Mooney, a uh, member of yeah. the Moon cult. And one of the things he said that kind of helped change his mind was learning about the brainwashing techniques of the Chinese, uh, I think, during maybe during like the, I can't remember, the Cultural Revolution or sometime like that. But basically, the, the Chinese had this kind of manual for brainwashing and uh, it, it it was explained to him like what these things were that the Chinese were doing, and he recognized these things as being the same things yeah. as uh, what the the Moon cult was doing. The Moon is, uh, and this really kind of gave him pause. Like you know, if the Chinese are just acting in the exact same way as the Moon is, then I and I don't trust the Chinese because they're communists. Then you know, why am I trusting the mm-hmm. Moon is? It's actually I'm not sure if another YouTuber that I would recommend is a, have you ever heard of a YouTuber called Genetically Modified Skeptic? He is actually um, a former religious fundamentalist. You know, he was full on. You know, the the Earth was created in six days, and the universe is six thousand years old. And ironically, he he actually made a video about how he changed his opinion and how, what it was. He he had a friend in college who was really into uh, essential oils. Hmm. And he started to research the, the you know, the, the science behind essential oils, and he, he found out that a lot of this stuff wasn't credible. And he actually asked him, you know, why is it you think this works? And he said, well, because I, I have seen it work. And that, again, made him pause for reflection about, you know, the fact things like miracles, you know, I, I can see it works. God, you know, God speaks to me, and I can see that he works for me. And so that made him sort of pause to see that, again, he's doing the exact same thing that that essential oil guy is doing as well. So... So it's, it's, I would say it's very similar to the way that I changed my opinion on conspiracy theories was realizing that there's a very similar epistemology that's that's going on essentially. Yeah, yeah, and that whole thing epistemology is uh, you know it's kind of the hot new thing right now, especially with uh, the the street epistemology yeah. uh, channel uh, out there, which is based on a manual for creating atheists, mm-hmm. uh, and and street epistemology is basically going up to people in the street and essentially engaging them in a conversation and asking them you know why they believe what they believe you know talking about something some belief that they hold and then questioning why they believe what they believe uh is this something you ever tried out yourself not yet but i'm i'm thinking i should probably try to implement it like it was actually um is it have you heard of a guy called James O'Brien? There's probably another name you haven't heard of. <laughs> James O'Brien, no? No, no, I have not. So James O'Brien, he's actually an English... He, he's on a radio show called LBC, and his sort of claim to fame is he brings people on who tend to regurgitate very very kind of extremist viewpoints that are very typical within British society, you know, things like, you know, immigrants are taking over, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things he actually does whenever he's doing his interviews, he, he brings these people on to the show. And whenever they're spouting these kind of this kind of rhetoric, he starts to kind of ask, well, why why is it you think this and how have you come to the conclusion? And he will actually ask him questions of that nature. And one of the things that eventually ends up happening is he whenever he starts to ask these questions, you actually find that a lot of the people who are repeating these phrases don't can't actually articulate why they think this other than they've just read it somewhere and that they've just come to that conclusion on that basis and they haven't really thought about 
any other sort of alternative way of thinking about the information. They're, they're literally just repeating it because my tribe thinks this, therefore it must be true. So, that, yeah. so yeah, I, I, think, I think that seems to be a, a really effective way of getting people to reflect on, you know, why is it that I actually think this, if you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I read Peter Bukosian's latest book, um, How to Have Impossible Conversations. Yeah. And one of the things that he says, which he probably says in his other book as well, is avoid facts. Yeah. Which I, I was kind of like, <laughs> in a little way, taken aback by it because, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. a skeptic online debunker who like analyzes YouTube videos and finds out what's wrong with them. And then I explain things to people or I look things up and I explain them to people. So I'm kind of a fact based debunker. And yeah. I thought it was very interesting that he's advocating not focusing so much on facts and focusing more on the epistemology side. I mean, almost, almost exclusively mm. on epistemology, like asking people, why you believe yeah. what you believe that was fascinating yeah i'm not sure if you watched any of my other videos but a quote i used it from a book called uh, culture of conspiracy by michael barkin have you have you read that book yeah i, I have it on my bookshelf over there I oh, think. okay okay well obviously the quote that i use is it's very difficult to really uh, conspiracies in, in many respects are unfalsifiable because any attempt at falsification is just sort of dismissed as the mainstream media or the official narrative essentially um so i can sort of respect what he's saying there because it doesn't again it comes back to the main point of my video series is it's how do you reason with people who aren't really interested in evidence evidence or facts you know how do you get past that yeah yeah it's the, no matter what the facts are it's going to bounce off yeah. so you have to kind of uh turn the conversation around in a way and you know talk about them and their actual beliefs rather than talk mm -hmm. about things that they don't believe. I'm just going to check what, yeah. which book I have over here. Oh, okay, yeah. I do have Culture of Conspiracy. Oh, yeah. And I have Empire of Conspiracy, and I have Conspiracy Culture. And I've got a bunch of other books over there on, on conspiracy yeah. theories. It's, uh, it's quite amazing like, how, how, how much literature there actually is on, on conspiracy yeah. theories. Uh, I, think, I think a lot of it tends to be kind of either in the, the mocking uh, mode mm -hmm. Or kind of in a way, almost like literary criticism type stuff. Yeah. Some of this stuff is a bit kind of like like deep. It's like what is the meaning of conspiracy theories in modern society as a discourse yeah. and narrative and things like that. I was about to say, have you read Skeptic's Guide to the Universe? It's quite good as well. I do. I actually that's on my shelf over there. I have a signed copy that I uh, that I, I uh, won at a, a skeptical conference. <laughs> so yeah, that's, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe is a great book because it's uh, just like a whole bunch of kind of fairly nugget-sized uh, bits of information about various skeptical topics, but also about skeptical thinking uh, and stuff like that. Well, that's one of the things, um, a topic I'm going to bring up actually in my next video um, that Skeptic's Guide to the Universe book mentions is the idea of hyperactive agency detection. Because one of the things that I really think about conspiracy theories is the fact that human beings, generally speaking, um, they have a hard time understanding the statistically anomalous events so for example if i talked about say somebody i haven't seen in years like my friend adam for example and i walked down the streets and i bumped into him for some people an event like that well for someone like me obviously i would just write that off as an odd coincidence but for some other people people would think oh the, the fact that i've manifested that person in my mind means that the universe has 
brought him to me. And I think that 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 would be more or less my explanation for conspiracy theories is the fact that, I mean, the fact that there's so many different conspiracies about every single event, whether it be the JFK assassination or Princess Diana's death or 9-11, moon landing, et cetera, et cetera. I, I feel it's just the human mind can't really comprehend that an event of that magnitude could have just been carried out by some random person. So there has to be a, um, a deeper meaning to it. And that'll be, that's actually one of the topics of my next video. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, people want uh, some kind of explanation for things uh, because yeah, it's. I think in, in a way, it's a, a primal urge that you want to have. You know, you, wh why has this thing happened? Because people's worlds, yeah. uh, when when people evolved, were a lot smaller. You just had to deal with the people in the tribe around you, and you yeah yeah thing. When things happened, it was usually because somebody did something, or because some animal yeah. did something, or because some tree nearby fell on something. And yeah. So when humans have evolved into this broader society, you've got these uh, kind of like primitive ape-like instincts uh, of the small group that are being applied to this really, really wide group of, of millions of people and millions of events, and mm -hmm. it's just not going to work. Yeah, well, that was um, I think I was Michael Shermer actually. His he actually gives like an I watched a talk where he gave an evolutionary explanation, and what it comes from apparently, well, according to him, is that if you were say living in back in the tribal days and you heard a, a rustling in the bush, you could either conclude that it's the wind blowing or you conclude that it's a a tiger coming to eat you, and so because of that human beings have maybe evolved to assume a tiger because if, if it was just the winds then that's fine but if it's a tiger then you're going to get eaten essentially and so we tend to superimpose intentionality on kind of random events yeah because it's uh no it's, it's an evolutionary advantageous to do so yeah 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 it's uh yeah um so you talk uh, in your videos about the idea of uh, a grand conspiracy yeah. Uh, what, what do you mean by a grand conspiracy? Again, it comes back to the politics of where grand conspiracism comes from. And a lot of this tends to be, again, rooted in Jewish conspiracies and how the Jews are manipulating world events to get a global world order. Um, so I would say that grand conspiracism as an explanation of society, that would be going down that route as opposed to what, again, what I would call the Noam Chomsky's or the Naomi Klein's of the world who tend to give more of a critique on the economics rather than just an individual group of people. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you, you, Chomsky, I guess, is saying that, you know, these bad things happen because they're just yeah. emergent properties of the chaotic world with lots of yeah. people in it. Whereas a grand conspiracist would say that there's a bunch of guys in a room somewhere yeah. uh, making decisions about the, these, these bad things that are going to happen. The grand conspiracy is uh, another thing I would say is the fact that, again, the, Examples I give in my video would be the likes of the climate change or suppressed cancer cures. Another, another aspect would be the fact that in comparison to much smaller conspiracies, such as the Watergate, you're, you're having to grant that tens of thousands of people are involved in keeping the conspiracy hidden. And I think just any... You're almost giving the, uh, the human race too much credit in my eyes if you think that tens of thousands of people can keep something like that hidden. And again, it's coming from the same government who can't keep... The Monica Lewinsky thing secret between two people in the in the Oval Office. Um, so yeah, it's really just assuming that tens of thousands of people are, are keeping something hidden. Yeah. Do you think there are actually are, are all conspiracies essentially grand conspiracies, or are the conspiracies that fall outside that realm of grand conspiracy? Because it seems like all these conspiracies yeah. that people talk about they require a lot of people. Yeah, other ones that couldn't 
be smaller that don't require a bunch of guys in a smoky room? Um, well, I mean, I, an example I'm actually giving in my latest video would be, um, have, you, have you heard of the Tuskegee experiment? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just, there are conspiracies obviously that do exist, but it's, again, it's, it's trying to find historical examples. The, the, the example yeah. I would give would be the Tuskegee experiment, which is basically where, um, for those who may not be aware, is essentially uh, back between 1932 and 1972, um, the U.S. Public Health Service essentially uh, they, they wanted to track the progression of untreated syphilis. But what they actually did was they got African-Americans who weren't fully aware of what they were being studied for. They, they were actually under the impression that they were um, receiving free health care. But what was actually happening for the space of 40 years or whatever it was, they were actually just getting um, blood taken to look at the progression of syphilis. Uh, but they actually weren't told they had syphilis. And um, whenever they were basically dying or you know, whenever their health was deteriorating, uh, they, they, they didn't give them any effective treatment to solve the problem, essentially. They, they just let them die. Um, but again, if you compare that to, say, the idea that vaccines cause autism, it's one thing, I think, to point out a single study or a single organization that has acted in a conspiratorial manner. But in the likes of the vaccine cause autism or the idea that cancer cures are being suppressed by big pharma, you're then having to grant that pretty much every organization around the planet is involved in the conspiracy. And to me, that's where it starts to become a grand conspiracy as opposed to you know, a real conspiracy, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Something I, I see a lot with conspiracy theorists is they kind of have a, a trajectory where things kind of cascade. You know, they start believing one thing, and then they believe another and believe another. But eventually, they reach some kind of point that they don't they don't go belong. Yeah. Like be it like chemtrails or flat Earth or something like that. But you know, if someone starts out believing that uh, JFK was assassinated by the CIA, depending on how yeah. deeply they get into that, then it's a fairly small step to some of the more straightforward 9-11 conspiracy theorists like the CIA arranged for the, the hijackings or things like that. Yeah. But, so do you have friends now who are conspiracy theorists? Sort of. I, I have a friend. He actually lives in New Zealand now, but I, he's into conspiracies, but I think he's sort of ironically into conspiracy hmm. theories because he, he always like jokes about the reptiles but I don't 100% think he's being serious about that. He's, <laughs> I think he just says it because he thinks it's funny. But um, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I do know people who do believe like that climate change is a hoax. Like um, I have people in my family who think climate change is a hoax, for example. Um, so I, I do know people who believe general conspiracies, but they, they're maybe not necessarily that far gone with like new world order conspiracies they would they would maybe believe that climate change was a hoax or that maybe uh, vaccines cause autism and things of that nature but i don't think they necessarily base their entire worldview around it necessarily it's, it's just something they believe but they're not necessarily fully committed to the cause if that makes sense yeah it's, it's interesting like you know you've seen my conspiracy spectrum graph where i put yeah. uh you know more extreme things like reptiles are, uh, are like a nine or yeah. ten and flat earth is a nine and then you got down at the bottom things like climate change is is a is a conspiracy is a cover up yeah. of uh, something or other, uh, or vaccines vaccines being dangerous instead of safe, and you know this 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 is spectrum. But you know you're talking about that then you mentioned vaccines and you mentioned uh, global warming. It's almost in a way like there's kind of a dividing line between these almost kind of politically based conspiracies yeah. and. You know the different things that are kind of more almost like ridiculous 
theories. Yeah. Like uh, it's not it's not just like a simple spectrum. There are these things like like uh, like the global warming thing, which are yeah. very very mainstream. Uh, do yeah. you think there's you know do you think there's kind of like a, a barrier preventing people crossing over from one side to another? There? I mean, I would personally argue, and again, you probably watched my video on the topic that there was there was actually a study done by. Uh, Cambridge University and it's actually the largest study that's ever been done in the conspiracism and you tend to generally find um, beliefs and conspiracy theories are more or less correlated with for example uh, supporting Trump and supporting Brexit and I think think the reason why I would think that is and again I was actually I'm actually researching a video at the moment um, and I'm doing a part about flat earth conspiracy theories and again, I've watched a couple of interviews where a lot of flat earthers are very much like, um, you know, g- good on Trump for calling out the fake news. So they're, they're, I, I would argue that, again, in, ter- in terms of trying to explain power relations, if you do start to get into conspiracy theories, eventually you're going to start to come down this route of, uh, you know, how Jews run the world and things of that nature or how, how George Soros runs the world. And I think, again, that would tend to be more to the right rather than the left wing of society. Um, so I, I, it's hard to really tell. I, I do, I do definitely think there's a connection between conspiracies and far right extremists. If that would be my take on it. Yeah. Not yeah. to say that people on the left can obviously believe conspiracies as well, but again, as I mentioned in my video, it's it's very once you really understand the context and the fact that a lot of these do come from like fascist propaganda, it's very difficult to decouple conspiracy theories from the fact that they tend to be generally spread by extremist you know sort of far-right extremist groups um especially with uh, even like religious fundamentalism like uh, you tend to find conspiracies about new world order for example are both uh, christian fundamentalism and as well as uh, islamic fundamentalism as well um so there does just generally seems to be a connection between conspiracies and that world for whatever reason yeah the vaccine thing, though, is I think uh, in, in some ways like very prevalent amongst uh, you know left wings people, yeah. uh, which is which is an interesting and, and GMOs. thing. And yeah, GMOs. GMOs. It's a, and that's kind of like yeah, a health a health yeah. type thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, is more prevalent amongst uh, left wing type people, which is a, yeah, kind of an interesting absolutely. interesting thing. Like people who are left wing, I guess, are concerned with the well being of people, and so they. I, I think it's almost I think it's almost like a fetishization of the natural. It's almost like because vaccines and GMOs aren't quote unquote natural, because uh, you tend to find people on the left, especially the more kind of hippie sort of new agey types, they tend to be very much about you know nature is you know brilliant and anything that goes against nature is bad. If that makes you know they, they basically use the naturalistic fallacy. Yeah, I was wondering though if you can go from uh, like uh, believing that vaccines are bad for you and believing that GMOs are bad for you. Does that then lead to like you know, the Jews are controlling the world, or is that like a completely separate type of thing? I don't like. To, I obviously don't like to sort of uh, lump everybody in ones because again, people like I said in my previous video, some people can be into GMO conspiracies and again be on the left, but I just tend to find. Again, the thing I would mention I mentioned in my video is I I came across a comment from someone who was part of Extinction Rebellion, who was obviously, which Extinction Rebellion is obviously a kind of a, a left-wing climate change group. But because of they, because of their belief that GMOs were bad, they, for whatever reason, started getting into, into Agenda 21 conspiracies, where, mm-hmm. which are actually kind of anti-global warming conspiracy theories, um, just about, about how global warming is a hoax to install kind of a one-world dictatorial government. 
So again, it's not it's not so much that conspiracies inherently lead to left wing thinking, but I just think there is there seems to be a connection. Whenever you start, because whenever you start to go down the, the grand conspiratorial route, inevitably you're going to come into this this worldview about the Jews and you know the George Soros uh, and things of that nature. Yeah. You've been doing uh, you've you've done these three videos. You've got a, a bunch more like in the pipeline. Uh, what's your what's your goal with these videos? What are you actually trying? What's the reason behind your personal motivation for doing this? Yeah, I, I started really making the videos almost as a form of catharsis because obviously, being from Northern Ireland, it's the the political conversation and and just general critical thoughts seem to be kind of lacking. So I, I just decided to be a voice of skepticism uh, within Northern Ireland, essentially. Um, Is that because of the polarization between uh, you know the the loyalists and the yeah, yeah, the, the nationalists, yeah, yeah. And again, it comes back to my, my first video is obviously very much about the connection between conspiracies and Brexit. And obviously, there are other reasons why people choose to leave the EU that weren't necessarily about conspiracy theories. But again, a lot of people I talk to, there, there does seem to be this kind of how the, the EU is very, you know, the EU is part of this technocratic system to control us all and all this kind of stuff. So. I, I just decided to make those videos as a form of catharsis, and that again, seeing that study inspired me to make my first video, which is obviously about the connection between conspiracies and modern day politics. Yeah. Do you do you think what you're doing will make a difference to people? Um, I think my video series, because uh, again, a lot of the video series I see about deconverting nine eleven seems to be again more or less centric on showing people the evidence as to why 9-11 conspiracies are wrong. Whereas obviously, as a former conspiracy theorist who has changed his mind, who has gone through the process of deconverting and kind of knows the main points of you know how, how I have come out of conspiracy theories, I would say that my series, I, I'm always making my series, um, the series is going to be probably about a seven to six video series specifically about conspiracy deconversion. And I'm sort of making it that if somebody sits down who is a conspiracy theorist and they walk, would they watch them in order? I feel that at a bare minimum, it'll give them sort of time to reflect on even even just a simple concept such as confirmation bias. Like for me, whenever I learned the concept of confirmation bias, that actually totally blew my mind because I had, I had a very sort of um, a simplistic understanding of media influence back when I was a conspiracy theorist. So I would have thought that you know, there's just the mainstream media and that's all lies. And then there's just the alternative media, and that's all the truth. And whenever I learned about the concept of confirmation bias, it, like, as obvious as it may seem to you and I now, like, at the time that really blew my mind. Um, so just even little things like that, it's getting really people to, to reflect on, you know, why they think what they think, which is essentially the series, the the point of my video, essentially. So yeah, yeah. I think I think having the perspective of someone who used to be a conspiracy theorist yeah. is, is really valuable. Uh, I know that there's been work done with. Uh, kind of jihadists and other violent extremists and yeah. one of the most effective ways of, of getting through to people who who have that kind of tendency is mm-hmm. to have people who used to be uh, strong believers talk to them and the same with cults as well uh, with yeah. with uh, talking to people who used to be in the cult uh, is is really good like they say the best cult deprogrammer is always someone yeah. who who used to be in the cult because you have to understand the mindset of the people. And in some ways, I don't have that. I, I, I was never a, a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. So I guess uh, another thing you've probably noticed in my videos is 
I try to I try my best to be kind of fair-minded because again I do bring up the fact that there are problems in society whereas I think a conspiracy theorists in general tend to think that people who are skeptics don't recognize this so I, I, I like to think in my videos I come about it as a with a fair-minded approach um, where I try to almost point out the pros and cons of you know critiquing society and the fact that there's there's maybe valid critiques of society and then there's non what, what I would consider non-valid critiques of society so i think i do come about it from a very fair-minded point of view again as someone who used to be a conspiracy theorist yeah no i, I try to uh, bring up the, the real issues uh, that people i think should be focusing on yeah things like uh well like the american foreign policy the interventionist foreign policy around the world the yeah. uh, corporate corruption Cli political corruption things like that so, like things that are very very real Climate change. <laughs> yeah, climate change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are these these the actual issues that are real that are getting overlooked because people focus on on other things. Um, do you think like it's worthwhile debunking like the more extreme conspiracy theories like flat Earth? <laughs> I see. Again, in my in my next video, the, the, like I almost consider flat Earth conspiracy to almost be. People who have rent who have reached almost the the kind of top tier of a cult because again it comes back to this idea of the demarcation problem because the one thing that obviously flat earthers all have in common is that they were already to some degree into conspiracy theories and so it's almost like the very fact that they have bought into this idea of mass deception and there's, there's an almost weaponized onslaught of propaganda whether it be again you go from jfk conspiracy to the 9-11 conspiracy and then you go to the, the the moon landing conspiracy and i think once you kind of reach that point where you've bought into that then it's kind of like well why why couldn't the earth be flat because you know they've, they've managed to lie about all this other stuff so it's very, I, I don't know where you would go with flat earthers, but I just know that it's it is pretty much the end point of a cult almost. It's a it's a methodical radicalization process that's no different from someone who is a creationist or someone who's part of a, a cult or a, a political or religious extremist group. Is where where all a semblance of objective reasoning has just gone completely out the window. I don't I don't really know how you would solve that problem to be honest, but. Again, we were talking earlier about how people progress along the spectrum and they start yeah. out with something and they move on naturally onto something else and then they kind of stop at some yeah. point because they think that everything beyond that is a bit, a bit ridiculous. Uh, but you know, the, the, something I've seen with people who get out of conspiracy theorists, uh, conspiracy theories, is that they they move along and then they kind of actually venture a bit beyond their comfort zone and they start yeah. considering things. They they think, oh, what if the Earth is flat? Or you know, what if chemtrails are real? Or what if yeah. like a, a missile hit the Pentagon? And then they actually look at that and discover that to be false, and that kind of helps unravel everything in the other direction. Yeah. See, another aspect that I would put to this because again, back when I started getting into conspiracy theories, another thing that I find, you know, people like David Icke and all those kind of thinkers, I another. Th alongside the fact that they do get into the conspiracy theory world i think one of the things they tend to promote a lot is this idea of consciousness and how all consciousness is subjective anyway and so as well as as well as sort of this radicalization towards conspiracy theories they then start to bring out this very pseudo way of thinking about objective you know what i would consider objective information it's all about perception and you know you just got to open your mind to different ways of thinking because you're you're entering them you know you're you're coming out of the matrix and you're taking the red pill and that's so it's almost compounded by that fact that they they don't really give you an avenue of how to think about information it's very much you're, you're just opening your mind up to alternative information and that makes you more open-minded essentially so it's yeah 
So I wonder how, like, uh, uh, someone who believes that kind of philosophy that, you know, your consciousness is, uh, uh, I don't know, a construct, and that everything is kind of an illusion. Like, how, how, how would someone who's a David Icke believer uh, not be a flat earth believer? Yeah, or, or at least be, you know, or, open to the idea of a flat earth, at least. Or a, or a reptilian believer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Says, it's almost like there, there might be, like, a set of people... Uh, t- too far gone, like in that the, mm-hmm. the minds are so open, in that there's no way of them actually believing anything anymore. Yeah. But and yet they still do believe. They still believe these these theories about I don't know the Council on Foreign Relations running the world or the yeah. Queen being a reptile. So they actually have beliefs. But uh, <laughs> uh, why don't they doubt those beliefs? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose we should focus on the people that we can actually reach. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that there are people who are, you know, in a way have gone a bit beyond that. I think people do, you know, you can reach them with time and because people do change. If you think back to when you were 18, if I think back to when I was 18, you know, yeah. I, was, I was not the most well-formed, thoughtful person in the world. You know, I would just yeah. easily like jump from one idea to, to the next. And I, it would have been quite easy to, for me to believe things when I was 18 and you get older. I think your, your, your mind either kind of ossifies and solidifies a bit or you you learn how to think about things uh, a bit yeah. more. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think sometimes that actually works both ways because there it tends to be, I think people of an older generation tend to patronize people of a younger generation. And I, I do sort of see that because I think people who are obviously younger are obviously a bit more idealistic and, you know, they maybe are a bit more far to the left. But I also think it works the other way around as well. You have people who have maybe around for too long and, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, maybe have their, they maybe have their formative years within a certain time period and then they've maybe had kids and, and, you know, went on with their life and they've never really sat and tried to revise any of these things that they thought when they were like 20 or 30 years old. So I, th- I think it sort of works both ways in, in my opinion, at least anyway, you know, <laughs> you I, wonder, I wonder if you, you should uh, teach people epistemology at school. I wonder what, what that, what would that look like? How would you uh, go about that? Yeah. That, do you know what? That's something I would really recommend or that's something that I would really like to get happening because both, well, both epistemology and metacognition, you know, the, the fact that our minds are predisposed towards certain ways of thinking, you know, we're predisposed to seeing patterns and, again, hyperactive agency detection. We, we have a general tendency to assume that big events must have a bigger cause. So, yeah, I, I, that's something I would really strongly recommend. I think like, think how, how different society would be if people were taught these concepts at a much younger age. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might get some pushback to that though, because you might be, people might see it as you know, you're putting a particular point of view across, especially religious people, because they will see it as uh, an attack on religion. The, the, the liberally atheist agenda. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember uh, a few years ago here in America, uh, there was a little brouhaha because one of the local uh, Republican mm-hmm. parties had on their their official prospectus, no, the, they call it a plank, like the thing yeah. where they list all their their things, that they were against the introduction of critical thinking oh, into schools. Yeah. I'm not sure it was on the plank, but they, they, they certainly like put out some kind of press release or something saying that they they were against critical thinking, but they they were responding to something like some uh, some kind of people on the liberal side said they want to introduce critical thinking into schools, uh, and people who were a bit more religious kind of took this as being, oh, well, they want to, they want to teach everybody how to be atheists, uh, which in a way 
might have been the outcome to a degree. Yeah, well, because uh, that, that's that's actually funny. I was on a forum very recently, and and essentially they they had this graph put up where they they correlated climate change with uh, professors in university, like most professors in university believe climate change. And because of that, most students believe climate change. And the conclusion they actually came uh, to was the fact that, you know, they were basically saying that, oh, this is proof of like the liberal brainwashing agenda. You know, that if whereas obviously in my experience from going to university, it's, it's really the complete opposite. You actually start to really doubt your opinions. You know, you, you start to really think that you want to find wrong about this, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a big problem though. Like the, the perception of, uh, of, of the intelligentsia and the academia as being uh, this this kind of like liberal indoctrination machine, yeah. Uh, which you know, it's uh, I mean, I'm sure it, it happens from time to time, but uh, it's it's not what they do. They're teaching you how to think, not. So. But uh, that you can see, you know, one of the things I worry about is you know, just to take it to an extreme, but perhaps not that unrealistically, is that the rise of fascism, the rise of yeah. uh, authoritarianism. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you would actually get you know, people actually wanting to control things like like academics, yeah. like academics are being arrested in, in various countries around the world, like, you know, all the time when uh, authoritarian regimes come in, academic people speak out, students are often the ones who who are, are protesting against these authoritarian people. Yeah. And then you get this, this clampdown uh, upon free thought and, and free speech, which is the very yeah. thing that a lot of conspiracy theorists actually want, uh, they say yeah. that they want, they actually want to have... Uh, uh, freedom of expression and freedom of thought, and they, they don't want people telling them what to do. Uh, but if you if you're pressing around conspiracy theorists theories about professors uh, indoctrinating people, and that's just you know based on nothing, then you're going to have the opposite effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what what's 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 your next video going to be about? Um, it's actually I actually cite your your chapter on the demarcation problem. So I actually I use your graph. And the whole point of the video is basically to address people who say, people who say, so you're, you're just expecting us to believe everything the government tells us. And essentially, I, I go down this idea of the demarcation line. Um, so I obviously start with the lower end conspiracy theories, and then I talk about the flat earth. And then I also I also bring up your example that you give in your book about the disparate, the different sort of factions of 9-11 truthers you know you mm-hmm. have the let it happen on purpose people and then you have the the laser people or the you know the hol- the planes were hologram people yeah, yeah. so i i sort of i put that across the spectrum and i guess i guess the part that i maybe add to it is i obviously with the demarcation problem you know the demarcation problem within science Karl popper would obviously say that for something to be considered scientific it has to be falsifiable, and that would be the line he draws. The line that I personally draw is I reference. Um, have you heard of again? Maybe someone you haven't heard of necessarily, but have you heard of um, Chris and Mark Hufnagel? No. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think so. They um, they were actually probably the first people to. Um, they actually wrote a paper on it where they tried to identify the commonalities between all grand conspiracies and actually uh, science denialism. So. Whenever I'm doing the demarcation problem, and this is obviously this is across the entire spectrum of my videos, I'm going to be addressing that where I think the demarcation line is there, the commonalities that they draw, that they draw, which essentially it's conspiracy theory, um, referencing fake experts or you know the the kind of Galileo fallacy, 
And as well as that, there's also confirmation bias. So just obviously just looking for research that only backs up your claims while ignoring the, the wider preponderance of evidence. And as well as that, uh, again, general errors in logic. Again, coming back to this idea of Occam's razor, you know, you're, you're, whenever, whenever conspiracy theories look for something, they they pick out an anomaly, but they don't really, they obviously, for that to work, they have to then entertain the, the most the most ridiculous theory out there as opposed to the simpler explanation. And as well as that, I also am going to put a video on uh, moving the goalposts, the fact that whenever you refute a claim, they tend to then change the question, essentially. You know, for example, mm-hmm. an, obvious, an obvious example would be with 9-11, whenever they say the buildings fell at free fall speed, you show them that they didn't fall at free fall speed. And then they go, well, it, it just it just collapsed very fast. You know, and yeah. they, they change the, they move the goalposts, so to speak. But that's essentially whenever they uh, identify grand conspiracism and science analysis, and that is how they generally identify. So that would be what I'm proposing as the solution to the demarcation problem or at least my my interpretation of what it should, what it should be mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so you, you're, you're trying to set up uh you know i guess one thing they they do is a what was it like a, a baloney detection kit yeah yeah uh which is something from i, I believe Carl Carl sagan's book yeah can candle in the dark uh uh, the Demon Haunted World, Science as a Candle in yeah. the Dark by Carl Sagan. He has this baloney detection kit, which is just kind of a series of questions you can ask about yeah. whether something is, uh, you know, is baloney or not. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm probably eventually going to do a separate video on that specifically. Um, whereas this is mainly, but yeah, more or less the same concept, but only it's mainly referencing uh, Chris and Mark Hufnagel's work where they, they actually have a, a website called the Nihilism blog. And again, okay. they, they were probably the first. To I've heard of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they, they were the first to basically reference these five commonalities that are um, prolific throughout science denialism. And I think a very similar thing can actually be applied to conspiracy theories as well. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Uh, so you, you you call yourself uh, the skeptic of the North. Yeah. Uh, is, that a, is that a Game of Thrones reference? It actually is. I, I'm actually not a Game of Thrones fan, believe it or not. But I, my, my girlfriend's actually really into Game of Thrones. And um, yeah, I heard obviously the king of the north and whenever it's, i was actually yeah you got it wrong though it's actually the king in the north so you should be oh, the, okay. the the skeptic okay. in the north if you wanted to be a true okay. uh, true game of thrones uh, fan Very good. No, obviously uh, game of thrones is obviously filmed in northern ireland as well mm-hmm. so i i think i was a cycling i was cycling by uh game of thrones have like a museum here and then i, I kind of thought yeah skeptical in the north that'd be a good idea and obviously obviously it's the fact that i actually live in northern ireland as well so i thought that was kind of a good name yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny actually got that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, skeptic, like you is, are you part of the skeptic community? Do you go to skeptic conferences or skeptic hangouts or anything like that? Well, not really, because there's not really much of a skeptic. There probably is people who, who are into skepticism in Northern Ireland, but if they are, I I don't particularly know about them. Um, so. Yeah, I'm not, just interested not, in just thinking about yeah. like how uh, how you can spread this type of thing. Uh, yeah, I, you know, yeah. I saw your your video mentioned on uh, on Twitter because you you tweeted to me because you said you were going to yeah. reference me in the next one. Uh, and I, I did a little search of Facebook and I saw that um, the ex conspiracy theorist who has a, a group uh, on Facebook yeah. he he posted a link to your page. Yeah, uh, I actually sent. I sent them the video, actually. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, that's great, I and mean, I think more people should watch your videos because they 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 are they are very good, they're concise, and they're, they're good information. Uh, and I, I think you know, 
you said there's not much of a skeptic community in Northern Ireland. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully this is the ball rolling, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know there's, there certainly is in, in the UK. There's like the uh, Merseyside skeptics people, uh, QED, things like that over there. Uh, I was just, just thinking like, you know, this is important stuff. And yeah, I think absolutely. like getting things like this out there uh, should in a, in a way be a bit more bit more organized and we should be like sharing each other's videos and trying to promote uh things like this uh yeah well actually i shared my video in the i might need to now that you actually mentioned that i might need to join if, if merseyside skeptics have a group i'll probably join it but i did share it in the uh the edinburgh skeptics group mm-hmm. obviously so that, so as with everything northern ireland is sort of behind the yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you're a bit out of the way <laughs> For the rest of the UK, uh, yeah. So, all right. Well, that's uh, it's been very, very interesting, and I'm really looking forward to the the next video. So, it's going to be a series yeah. of like six or seven of them. Yeah, I'll probably do six or seven, and then I'm also making a separate video about metacognition after that, and then after that, I may go into a different. I mean, I'm, I'm doing a general series on conspiracy theories, and then I may go into something else after that. That's so just. Yeah, I just wanted to get this out of the way first. Yeah. Do you think you might do anything love- besides uh, besides videos, like write a book or uh, write articles or anything like that? Well, I suppose in a way, I suppose in a way, I kind of am writing a book because I, I mm. have everything I've written. I'm, I'm sort of saving, obviously. So maybe one day I might sort of put it all together. I mean, the Skeptics Guide to the Universe book, for example, I, I think from just doing a general search, it seems to be almost a compilation of blog posts. So maybe eventually I might turn it into something like, but yeah. So in, in a way, yes, I am writing a book almost, but I'll just have to look at it maybe 10 years down the line and try to turn it, turn it into something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to write another book uh, to follow up my other one. And this is this type of, type of subject matter that I'm going to cover. Cause I think the whole, the idea of focusing on epistemology and how you actually have these conversations is very important. Like the conversations yeah. you have with conspiracy theorists and how you actually manage to change their mind. What are the mm-hmm. things that change their minds? You know, do how much do facts help and how much does this yeah. like Socratic dialogue help and epistemological uh, examining of, of their yeah. beliefs help. So it's uh, fascinating stuff. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah.